0: This Augusta Golf Show podcast is brought to you by Audi Augusta, online at AudiAugusta.com. Brad Faxon won eight times on the PGA Tour, twice on the PGA Tour champions. Brad was also the recipient of the Payne Stewart Award back in 2005. Brad is a sought-after coach when it comes to putting, and there are some developments on that front we'll talk about. Pleasure to welcome Brad Faxon back to the Augusta Golf Show. Brad, how are you?
1: Oh, great, John. Uh, great to talk to you. Always good to be on your show. And just got back from a little trip to the Bahamas where I was doing a little coaching myself.
0: There you go. There you go. Um, let me start with this before we get into the coaching. Um, earlier this week, it was, it was announced that come January 1st, probably won't have those green reading books around, I'm going to guess. Correct me if I'm wrong, Brad. I'm going to guess you're not a fan of those books.
1: Yeah, for more, more reasons than just that I never had them, John. When we, when we played, when I played on the tour, I'm 60 years old now, and, and the, the best of my golf and the best of my putting were in the late 90s, early 2000s, really. Um, we did everything by, you know, eyesight, uh, a little bit by feel. Um, sometimes you might draw a, a little line on your yardage book that had a picture of a green, but it certainly wasn't in any detail uh, like players have now, and and some of the uh, the guys that design the yardage books and specifically the greens reading books um, use lasers, uh, topographical maps. Uh, they're in color, extremely detailed, uh, half percent of slope, uh, color shades, and it's. I think sometimes it's really helpful to players, depending on who they are, and sometimes it's very confusing. And I think you'd ask, if you asked a lot of the players that are currently out there, some of them depend and rely on them, and some of them use them uh, when they're indecisive. But I think there's certainly a majority of players that would get a benefit from them.
0: Is it the detail that you spoke of, Brad, that, you know, we don't mind yardage books. We seem to be fine with yardage books, but the green reading books seem to get us all riled up. Is it because of that detail?
1: Yes, and... Yardage books became accepted over 40 years ago. Jack Nicholas was one of the first players to actually walk yardages off back in the 60s. So when other players would just take, hey, I hit a five iron from this tree or a seven iron from the edge of this bunker, Nicholas started pacing off yardage books um, and writing them down. We all know how far each club is supposed to go. Uh, But what Green's book did does and gives an advantage over other players is it tells uh, the detail of the slope and and something that was always an inherent part of a skill that you had to acquire, reading a green, whether it was, like I said before, just using your eyes, maybe in particularly watching somebody else in your group putt or or feeling it with your feet. Uh, I think this was an advantage that uh, certain players that maybe have been weak at green reading, um, seem to have an advantage of, and and people John will argue about that to me, and and I think they fail because when you're given a yardage, say it's 175 yards, and the, the top players maybe be hitting a seven eight iron from 175 yards, they also have to equate into that uh, whether this shot plays 175, and how much longer does it play or shorter does it play? Is, is there you know wind a factor, slope a factor, elevation? Um, what are those things? your adrenaline. Um, I, I think that that's what all players have had to do that, that's fair. Uh, with the greens reading book, if you're not good at green reading, it's a tremendous advantage to of a green reading book.
0: Do you think, Brad, will see this disparity between, you know, old line players who worked off of feel and used a green reading book, and then the, the newer crop of players who use a green reading book and don't know a whole lot about feel. Uh, do you think, is this, the, the book's going away? Will this benefit one or the other? I think you'll see
1: some players have a precipitous slide, really. Um, not everybody. Uh, and, and look, we're talking about the highest skilled players in the world that make it out to the PGA Tour. So they they have to be pretty good at this, right? Maybe not relative to the, best putters or best greeneries in the world, but they're awfully good at. It. That's number one. Um, I think that the hardest the hardest issue is going to be how is this enforced? Every player, every caddy has had books in the past from the courses they've played. Some of them keep very detailed notes, um, yardages into the greens they've hit, clubs they've hit into the uh, those particular greens from that yardage. Um, I don't think everybody knows the putts they've had on previous holes. I used to just remember those other players I played with the same thing, but um, you're not allowed now to use any measuring device, uh, something that might measure slope, um, or to write detailed notes down from older yardage books. And Mm -hmm. if you think about the fields that a tournament's on, there's 156 players at normal fields. Uh, 156 caddies, obviously. Uh, So potential to have, how many books? Over 300 books if if the players carry their own. Uh, How is an official going to walk or or look at every single player in Caddy's yards book every single week to make sure that there's not one page out of the 18 pages or 36 pages because of the different details to the the Green's books? Uh, I, I don't think there's a way... But that could be enforced.
0: We're talking with Brad Baxson here on the Augusta Golf Show. You mentioned um, you were in the Bahamas doing some coaching. Was this coaching tour players or coaching seven handicappers?
1: Well, in this particular case, I was down doing a corporate outing. Um, and the the fellow that asked me to come and do the outing has a daughter on the LPGA tour named, named Alban Valenzuela. She uh, was mm-hmm. a two-time runner-up in the U.S. Women's Amateur in 2017 and 18, has played two years on the LPGA Tour now and um, been helping her with her putting. And it always blends into putting, short game, a little bit of psychology. And then another player named Tom Lewis, who's an English yep. Englishman who lives over here in the United States, been on the PGA Tour for the last couple of years, uh, was very highly ranked inside the top 50 in the world for a few years. Um, and we get to spend a couple of days together, too, uh, working on the game, talking about the game of golf, uh, so it's it's never really specific to well I shouldn't say never but very rarely is it specific to just the face and the path of what somebody's doing with their stroke without a little bit talking strategy um, you know we talk about pre shot routine post shot routine green reading <laughs> talk about green reading and John I, I love the topic because you know you play the game you're an avid golfer. Um, when somebody asks you, hey, how can you help me to read, read dreams better? Hmm. It's never really an easy question to answer. No. Uh, it depends a lot on the player. How much time do they play? Uh, you know, if you didn't play golf as a young kid, where most of the PGA Tour players learn to read dreams by themselves, learn to read them organically, spending thousands and thousands of hours watching Paul, uh, putts roll, uh, that's how I learned. Uh, It's hard. It's kind of like when you have a little kid and you're throwing a baseball for the first time and their arm goes way back and you have no idea whether the ball is going to come out of their hand high or low or slow or fast. Um, Those are the same kind of little idiosyncrasies uh, to teaching somebody green reading.
0: Can a a really good amateur be as good a putter as a, a good PGA Tour player?
1: I think they certainly can have streaks of that. I've I played with an amateur putters in pro-ams over my career where I'm like, holy smokes, this guy's pretty good. And, and they don't always have uh, the perfect equipment like most of the PGA Tour players have. Uh, they don't always get to practice the, the many hours that we get to practice or have the best. Um, everything about this game is eye-opening to me, and I always seem to learn a bunch of uh, – from different areas. A few years ago out in Las Vegas, I I played in something called uh, the Major Series of Putting and I I was kind of a co-host to this event. It was uh, some Caesars Palace land up out by the Top Golf there Mm -hmm. and a bunch of miniature golf players Mm -hmm. came to compete in this. There were a bunch of different categories of players and these mini golf players have their own tours and it's worldwide. The purses are ridiculously small, but what I saw were styles of putters, players with different uh, strokes that were very good at the to start online, and you, you would have never seen any stroke quite like these players <laughs> on the PGA Tour, or even um, the implement, the putter that they used. And I was like, wow. Um, to me, uh, confidence triumphs technique 95% of the time.
0: You know, you talked about remembering putts. Do you remember the most important putt you ever made?
1: Yeah, there's a few. Uh, unfortunately, I remember a few that didn't go in. Well, business. okay. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, and, and I, I learned early on from uh, Bob Rotella, who was a famous sports psychologist uh, on the tour, worked with so many great players, first of all, with Tom Kite and Dennis Watson, Davis Love. Uh, the list goes on and on but I, I met him in the mid-80s and, and he helped me realize that your mind and your subconscious mind can remember the most emotional uh, moments of your life longer than something. Else. So he would say, you know, the birth of your first child, your wedding day, uh, maybe getting hired from a job, those emotional attachments you would remember. Um, and he said to me that If you want to remember something for a long time, pat yourself on the back, smile, get excited when you make putts, and try and shrug off uh, the negative when you miss a putt. And I thought that was incredible advice and it's very difficult to do, but I think it was one of the keys to my – and I think one of the things I'm most proud about, John, having been a good putter was having been a good putter for a long period of time. You know, I, I was a highly ranked putter for over 15 years, maybe 20 years. And I got better as I got older into my late 30s and early 40s. And I still feel like uh, I'm a really good putter. So, yes, um, I, I can remember a lot of good putts. I think the one I made in 1995 on the final hole of the PTA Championship at Riviera uh, was to shoot 63 to make the Ryder Cup team, was to shoot at then what was the lowest round in a major, what was the lowest round in a final round of a major. Uh, it was with Jose Maria Sabo, Um And then that was as meaningful a putt it was probably 12 or 14 feet for par uh, I remember the shirt I was wearing the shoes I was wearing the crowd around me and those are the kind of things that uh, maybe your whole life um, worthwhile for what you were trying to do is, is when you could do something in the, the most pressure packed moments
0: well, I'll let you go on that. the toughest, toughest greens you've ever run across are where? Well
1: you're going to be surprised when I say this because uh, these greens were flawless. When I played the U.S. Open at Beth Page, I believe it was 2003, uh, when Tiger won, Sergio Garcia was getting mocked because he was um, milking the shaft or right. trip, re-gripping right. uh, quite a bit. And, and the, the crowds there were chanting how many times every time he waggled. So... Everyone told me you're going to love the greens at Bethpage. They're in such great condition. The superintendent there was obsessed uh, with how he kept the greens in such good condition. They were kind of a palana green, but they were dead flat in so many spots. And people said, "Oh, you're going to love it. They're so pure. They're so flat. You'll just make putts from everywhere." And I, I didn't putt very well that week. And the greens perfect condition. But I always found it easier to read dreams that had more break than less. Uh, and as a matter of fact, my caddy would always say to me, and I had one caddy, John Burke, was his name Cubby, who, who said, it's funny, he says, every time you call me in to help you read a, a pot, which wasn't often, it's a pot that's always left edge or just inside the left edge uh, because it was very close to flat. And I, and I always thought it was hard when you're a caddy on big breaking putts, how how much break to tell sure. a player sure. based on the speed they were going to hit the putt Abs- or the line they saw. But the Absolutely. greatest putts were always harder for me, John.
0: Um, I, I know you've just landed. I know you're in the car. I know you're driving home. I know you've taken the time to do this, um, and, I, and you've done it on short notice. Brad, thank you for taking the time to do this. It's always it's always good to talk to you. God, I, I, I can't talk enough putting with you, Brad. Thanks for doing this.
1: No, anytime, John. Feel free to call and um, love listening to you. You've got—I got to say—the best voice listening to you. It's just fantastic, and I can tell you're passionate about the game. Thank you, sir. All right, John.